Father God, I pray. As we open up your word, make us open to your word and make your word open to us. Speak to us. Grow us. Take us deeper. Build us to what you need us to become. We ask this in your name. Amen. Amen. Acts chapter 12. And we're going to be reading from verse 1. And this is what it says. Uh, It was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with with the sword. Man, whose birthday is it today? We, we love reading about people dying on re- really awesome occasion. Mother's Day. It's memorable Mother's Day. Okay, here we go. When he saw that this met with approval amongst the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the festival of unleavened bread, which is Passover. After arresting him, he put him in prison handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. So the church is being persecuted. But also, if you go and read in Acts chapter 11, the last part, a prophet comes along and declares a drought. And so not only are they concerned about what is happening with their faith, they also have to be concerned whether or not there's going to be food and water. Here are a bunch of Jesus followers in a problem again. And what do they do? You see, they could be praying for themselves. They could be praying for their families. But what we read in the book of Acts chapter 12 is that the word says in verse 5 that they gathered together and earnestly prayed for Peter. It wasn't just about what they were going through. It was as a church, they came together and said, someone we know is in a problem. There there is an issue. We've got to pray for him. Now, I'm not saying... You shouldn't pray for yourself. You shouldn't pray for your family. Heck, we encourage you to develop a a habit, a lifestyle of prayer. But can I ask, can we come together as a church and pray with each other? Pray for each other. You see, they modeled something that started at the beginning of Acts. You know, when the church was still being birthed? They, They started modeling something in the middle of it that we probably stopped looking at, and that was corporate prayer. Coming together and praying for something. Luke says, he's the writer of Acts, he says, and they prayed earnestly. Now, earnestly is not a person. (laughs) Uh, That's earnest. (laughs) They prayed earnest. Uh, But they prayed earnestly. And earnestly, I wrote it down here. If you go look it up in the dictionary, it says, with serious intention. Or with purpose or effort. You know, you're praying with purpose or effort or seriously zealous. You know, you, you, there's something you want and you're going to go for it. 
No matter what happens, you are going to do that. So this means they came together and prayed. And how do we pray earnestly? I've just got three things that allows us to pray earnestly. Number one, you have to be specific. Precise. They didn't just come together and go, oh, what are we going to pray about now? Let's just hang around. They were precise. Peter was in jail. And they go, James just got executed. That can't happen to Peter. Let us pray. And so they were precise in their prayers with what they wanted. When we want something, can we please be precise and specific when it comes to asking God for stuff in our lives? You know, we, we, we generalize praise. You know, oh, Lord, if you could do something for me, would you mind? You know, no, he's like, no, come, be specific. What do you want? Hey, I told you guys the story of my wife and I before we got engaged. We were just sitting in the car and she was crying. And I'm like, why are you crying? We had such a great day. And she goes, I thought we would be married by now. I'm like, okay, she's being specific. We got to get engaged, you know. So you, you don't, don't, I told you last week, don't skimp. Yeah. Don't skimp. Be precise. So that's the first thing. The second thing is you got to pray powerfully. You got to come with confidence. Can I, can, can I go one step further? Can, can you come and pray in authority? Son of the Most High God, daughter of the King of Kings, you get to come into his presence and go, Dad, this is what we need. This is what I want. This is what we're going through precisely with power. Uh, I always default to when I played rugby for... Um, for a sports club back in Secunda, man, uh, I played for, what was it? I first played for like the CD or a Z team. It's, you know, the guys that drink to loosen, they, they don't warm up, they, they, have, a, they have one or two. And, and like, we, we get into idle and I'm like, oh, we're going to pray. And I'm so excited, these guys pray. And they go, Lord, we are mere worms. <laughs> See, we, we've got to come knowing who we are when we come to pray to our dad. Yeah. So come with power, come with precision, come with specific points that you want to pray into. And then lastly, it has to be a P. So it's precise, because uh, that's what pastors do, eh? Powerfully and persistently. Where's the chocolates, babes? Where's the chocolates? Dante, that is why you sit in front. Come on, man. So we have to be persistent in our prayer. If you want to have a lifestyle where it's earnest prayer, it means you don't give up after the first time. No kid comes to their dad and go, hey, I'm hungry, and then walks away. If you send them away, five minutes later, they're dragging themselves, I'm about to die. I'm like, can I have food? Why? Are you hungry? No, no. Yes. <laughs> He's laughing because he knows. <laughs> you see, what, what they model is here is the church didn't come to just spectate a prayer meeting. Everybody came to participate in a prayer meeting. 
Because if everybody comes and only one person is praying, it's still an individual prayer. But what they're modeling here is, hey guys, can we be a family that gets together? Here are the prayer points. This is the problem. Let's pray intentionally into that. Let's move forward into that. We need to become that church that earnestly prays together. We've got to pray for our church. Guys, we, we, we're in a season of transition in this church. So can we come and pray together about our church? Can we pray together about the global church? There's already so much craziness and persecution going in. We need to cover them in prayer. We need to cover our country in prayer. There's so much we need to pray for. And it's, it's cool if, you know, you go, hey, I'm praying for this today, Lord. But imagine what it would be like if all of us get together and we pray about the same thing. Have you ever heard a choir sing? Okay. You get a guy that sings an individual and, 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 he, and he can project his voice and it's amazing and it's loud. But the moment you add more people, more voices, it changes from a guy singing to God answering. It's like, oh, they finally fed me. And so we need to become a church that prays together. And what you will find is because we pray together, what we see and what we're going to see now in the text is that prayer leads to peace. Have a look at it here quickly. Acts chapter 12, verse 6, it said, The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was doing what? Sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains and sentries stood God at the entrance. Here we meet Peter. Uh, it's not his first time doing this. He's a local in the prison. Okay. Him and a few of the guys got their own secret handshake. It's like, hey, Peter. It's like, it's like that. he walks in and they're like, hey, welcome back. Welcome home. No, I'm just joking. It's like, he's, he's like, he's there. He's been there. I mean, from the beginning of Acts, Peter set up shop in prison. Prison ministry started long before we thought it was cool. Hey, here he is. In the thick of it, here's Peter. And this time, here's one dude, and you know he's violent because he's the dude that will... He took a guy's ear off. He was a dangerous guy. Peter was a very dangerous guy. Not really. And yet, they feel that they need to surround him with four squads of four soldiers each. Chain him to two of those soldiers. Put guards outside every door. And in the midst of all that chaos, with this time clock hanging over his head that says death, he sleeps. He sleeps. I must point this out to you. It says here that the night before they were about to bring him out, he was sleeping. The scene that, is, that, that we're busy looking at here at this moment, Peter gets arrested during Passover. 
Passover as a week of festivities. So he could have been in prison anything from day one or day three. So at least a minimum of maybe five days in prison. And the night before, they find him sleeping. So that means when he went into prison, they started praying. When it didn't change, they didn't stop praying. They carried on praying. Because we all know the story, but I want to just point something out here. We have been talking and looking at a guy by the name of Saul. In a couple of chapters, I don't know when we're going to get there. Could be next year. (laughs) But Saul's name changes to Paul. Paul writes a letter to a a church in Philippi, and this is what he writes. In Philippians 4 verse 6, it says, Be anxious about nothing, but in every situation. What kind of situation does every situation mean? You know when you lose your keys and you're going to be late for work? Only in that situation. You know when, when, when your kids tell you, no, I need the bathroom and you're already late for church. You know, only pray in that situation. It says, no, in every situation, when you're locked up in prison, when you don't know what to do, when things aren't going your way, it says, don't be anxious, pray. With prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Let me tell you something. What you experience today prepares you for tomorrow. Peter was so used to being thrown in prison, he was like, God will take me out of this. He did it once. He'll do it again. He had so much confidence, he, he slept. He's like, I, I wonder how he slept between them. Can you take off your helmet? John laid on Jesus' bosom, come just, just turn a bit, turn a bit. Let me just rest on your chest. I don't know. But in a time when he should have been anxious, there was prayers being offered up and he found the ability to fall and sleep. What you experience today prepares you for tomorrow. I don't know if anybody here, I know, I'm not, I don't want to go to jail. <laughs> I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't think I'll make it. But you know what? We sometimes find ourselves in prisons, whether it is solid bars or in our minds. We get into places where we go, hey, I've got financial stress, and we put ourselves in prison, and we go, oh, our God can't get us out of that. I've got to figure this out for myself. Or we get into a stressful situation at work, and we go, I can't get out of this, a relationship problem, and we put ourselves in this prison where no one can help me. I've got to sort this out. And what does it do? How many of you guys know you don't sleep? We are stressed. We are anxious about it. But what does it say? It says, don't worry about anything. Pray about it. See, we read the Bible, and in this church, we believe the Bible. Because we are Jesus followers, right? It says we should pray. Praying leads to peace in whatever prison you are in. I know it's difficult. Like Milo, 
You, th- you say it's so blasé, it's so easy. Neomenta, it's hard. It's hard. But you, you, need to, you need to practice praying in all situations. So when you get into a situation that you go, I've never been in this one, you've already prepped yourself for the situation. Have a look at this. Acts 12, verse 7 to 11. Suddenly, how many of you guys like that word? Suddenly. Before I carry on, as a church, can I ask you, if you're going through something, come and tell us. Come and tell us when you are going through something so we as a church can corporately pray for you. Don't wait until the poor poor hits the fan and the wheels fall off the car and then we go, the church didn't help us. No one cares for us. What we need to do is we need to come together and pray for each other. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone in the, sh- in the shell, in the cell. <laughs> he struck Peter on the side and woke him up. <laughs> Imagine that. How many of you guys wake up because of light? Oh, oh there's a few of you. The rest of us, we know how to sleep. We believe in Jesus. Because I'm like Peter, like nothing can wake me up except my wife. Man, something can fall next to, I mean, like that one evening, there was a gate banging down the road and Ellie goes, what was that? I'm like, what was what? Quick, get up, he said, and the chains fell off Peter's wrist. Then the angel said to him, Put on your clothes and sandals, and Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me, the angel told him. Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. (laughs) He thought he was seeing a vision. Imagine being so engrossed in the presence of God daily, and it's a lifestyle, that when things really happen, you go, wow, is this really God speaking to me, or is this really happening. We have to become people that are so in tune with his presence that this is a natural thing. It's like, oh, just another vision. Okay, Lord, what are you telling me? He's probably smiling. He's like, where is God leading me? What is the future? But he didn't know it was really happening to him. Peter followed him out of the prison, but okay, sorry. And then he said, they passed the first and second guards, verse 10, and came to an iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself, and they went through it. When they had walked the length of one street, there's that word again, suddenly the angel left him. Then Peter came to himself and said, no way. (laughs) I wish I had a cell phone at this moment. (laughs) Now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches. And from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen. I want to talk about this word suddenly quickly. Because we all want to pray and expect things to happen suddenly. But what we see from this portion of scripture is that suddenlies don't just happen. Consistency produces suddenlies. You know, you, um, I only started watching sport this week. Uh, my mom and them are visiting, and we watched um, the tennis. 
man, tennis is good. And she was, and she was introducing me to, not, she didn't introduce me, but you know, she was giving me the, the history of um, the different players. And there was this, this young guy, the number one seed. Uh, what's his name? Alcaraz, not Alcatraz. Uh, I made that mistake. Alcaraz, he's 20 years old and he's a number one seed. And I go, oh my gosh, that is amazing. And for a lot of us, we go, it's like, that's an overnight success right there. Hey, and we, how many of you guys have heard of overnight successes? And we talk about them. We see churches pop up. We see musicians coming to the light. We see actors and sportsmen and businesses. And we go, it was an overnight success. But how many of you guys know it, did, it wasn't overnight? It was over years. It was time spent doing the mundane, the things that most people don't want to do, the constantly getting up early and going to bed late, the practicing whether it's raining or the sun is shining. It's like going to church when the wind blows or if it snows. That rhymed. I'm amazing. Hey, It's like, but we all think that, hey, this happened suddenly. Did I not just read that he got arrested during Passover, but the night before he gets executed, suddenly something happens. You see, we get so focused on the suddenly part that we forget about the consistently part. We have to be so consistent and praying. And you see, remember, we box God. God, you did it then, do it now. And he goes, just Turn back a few pages. Look how long they've been praying. Look how long they've been trusting. Look how long they've been fasting. There is a process, and we we spoke about this. We hate the process, but God is in the process. they, They started praying for Peter when he got arrested. And check this out. How many of you guys feel, you know, God's not answering our prayers when he hasn't answered it after the first day? After the first month, after the first year, do you think the church prayed when James got arrested? And they prayed, Lord, do something here. And James dies, and Peter gets arrested, and they go, Oh, We don't know. You see, they had faith that goes, you know what? This is not going to happen now, and we're going to pray earnestly into the situation. And that's what they did. They prayed nonstop. It didn't happen immediately. It wasn't the first day that he got released. It wasn't the second day that he got released. It was the night before. How many of you guys have experienced God on 99? (laughs) Lord, why? How many of you guys have that question, Lord, why does it take so long? Lord, why is it happening to them now when I've been praying for it? You don't know how long they've been praying for it. See, never compare your story, but as a church, can we get together and pray together? See, there's a story in the book of Kings. Elijah, you guys know there's a prophet by the name of Elijah? He, um, he calls it drought. There's no water. And then he displays God's power and majesty and and just how awesome God is. Kills a bunch of prophets. Guys, we read a funny book here. Everybody dies. But it's a happy story. 
And then he goes up on a mountain and he prays. It's like, Lord, it's time to end this drought. And it doesn't happen immediately. When he called fire down from the sky, it happened immediately. When he went up the mountain to change the atmosphere, it didn't happen immediately. But you see, he didn't give up praying. That poor servant had to go back seven times to come back with a report that said there is a cloud the size of a man's hand. And what does the word say next? Suddenly, the sky grew dark. You see, we cannot give up the moment we pray and nothing changes. We cannot give up after a month, after a week, because, guys, we've got to keep praying. It shows us who we put our faith and our trust in. It's not easy. Don't give up. Don't give up praying. Don't give up changing. Don't give up seeking. Don't give up. Don't stop knocking. That's the thing I want to talk about right now. Don't stop knocking. Jesus tells us in the gospel, keep knocking. He uses multiple illustrations. In, in the one, he talks about a widow, that, uh, a widow that, that goes to a judge and complains nonstop that drives him insane. He uses an illustration. He goes, you know, if you keep knocking, the door will be opened. If you keep seeking, you will find. He, what was Jesus trying to tell us there? He's like, come on, can you be persistent? Don't stop. Just keep going. Acts 12, verse 12 to 17, reads as follows. When this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were what? They were praying. They didn't know breakthrough had come. When we pray and we don't know breakthrough has come, keep praying. Don't stop praying. Uh, we, um, we, we get to walk in celebration and testifying of the goodness of God in our lives because my dad was diagnosed with cancer. Remember, we got the church to pray. And, and, you know, we prayed constantly. And we didn't stop until we got the news. But we didn't stop praying when we got the news. We carried on praying because I, I want to just illustrate something here quickly. Peter knocked at the outer entrance, and a servant named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed, she ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter is at the door. Okay, can, how many of you guys have ever been excited about a testimony that you just ran away? It's like, it's, it's like soccer players. They score a goal and no one stands still to celebrate. Like, no, and they run. But here, here's this lady. 
She recognizes Peter's voice and is so, she's like, this is what we've been praying for. You there, we, yeah, it's answered. And she just leaves. (laughs) She ran back without opening and exclaimed, Peter is at the door. Verse 15, you are out of your mind, woman, they told her. You know, most miracles are met with that. Remember Thomas? Jesus appears to the disciples. Thomas wasn't there. And he goes, nah, can't be. But have a look here. She kept insisting that it was so. They said it must be his angel. Because they got to the point, it's like, hey, we've been praying for days. James is gone. God hasn't come through. He's dead. And this must be his angel coming to say, we can stop. But she goes, come on, just go look at the gate. She didn't open. Come have a look. And then verse 16, it says, but Peter, what did he do? Kept on knocking and when they opened the door and saw him they were astonished anybody watch um, Big Bang Theory sorry that's bad person I could irritate the living daylights out of me but Peter knocked Rhoda came she wouldn't open the door why because just remember there's a problem here People are still being executed for their faith. And here's a prayer meeting going on. And she, she goes, who's there? And he goes, Peter, prove it. I don't know. This is how my mind works. But he had to have had a conversation with her that made her go, I, I know that voice. I know what it sounds like. I know the words that are coming out. It's speaking peace and power. That is Peter. Yes, I'll be back. And she goes. But they don't believe her. But she keeps on insisting. Peter keeps on knocking. Do you see the pattern? She kept on. He kept on. They kept on praying. Peter motioned, you see, but Peter kept on knocking. They were astonished. Peter motioned with his hands for them to quiet and described how the Lord had brought him, brought him out of prison. Go tell James, the son of Jesus, and the other brothers and sisters about this, he said. And then he left for another place because I ain't hanging around here. <laughs> Don't stop until you see the testimony. Because he was let free, but he wasn't free yet. And it says they kept on praying. They kept on praying. He came there and I'm like, yeah, I am. He kept on knocking. She goes, there he is. She kept insisting. Do you see the pattern? Don't. Stop 
don't stop praying until you see the breakthrough that God is supposed to give you in your life. Because there could be something there, and it could be just a taste of what God is still going to do. Don't give up immediately. Keep praying until it stands in front of you and go, this is God. Don't stop until you've been answered. Can I ask, as a church that prays together, and, and what we're going to do in a few is we're going to, we're going to pray over a few things. But can you imagine what happens when a church prays together? When you guys are sick, you tell us, and what do we do? We pray. And we've had multiple testimonies come through. Why? Because the church got together and we prayed. And so what they are showing us here is that we cannot stop praying together. It's great to have a lifestyle of prayer, but can it prep you for coming together to pray? And it's not about just coming here and going, hey, let's see you pray. No. It's coming together and all of us praying. Because a church that prays together changes things. Because just remember, this church prayed together and they had to move. They multiplied. They changed the world as we know it. So a church that prays together changes the course of history. Can we pray?